Well, take your Bible, if you would, please, today. Find your place in the book of Matthew, if you would, Matthew chapter number 6. Find your place there in your Bible, if you would, please. Uh, Our theme this year is Revive Us Again. And uh, I believe with all of my heart, our church, Christians in general, America, needs revival. I'm talking about the kind of revival that would make us start thinking about God again, dependent on God again. And and, uh, so uh, this year we're going to try to try to seek the face of God that they might send revival to our church. Now, in order to have revival, I want to read you a verse, and then we'll try to uh, expound on it a little bit. Now, I'm well aware of what time the game starts. I've already encouraged all the children's churches and all the different ministries to let out in time so that everybody could go to the game. Too bad you're not going to be able to. I'm just Revive us again. Let me read you one verse out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, and then I will go back trying to explain the verses. Revive us again. Always the month of January, now for 29 years, we've always dedicated that month to stewardship. Uh, and after January, very little is said about stewardship, about money, about anything the entire year. Occasionally, I might say something about it, but it's not ever a big thing. And so I just believe that during this month of stewardship, please don't let it embarrass you that I'm embarrassed about talking about money. It embarrasses me to no end. I just don't know how I'll make it through the rest of the day since I've got to mention money. It just bothers me terrible. In fact, I'll be all afternoon probably. Money, finances, material things are a significant part of spirituality. Two-thirds of our Lord's parables was dealing with money and finances. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus spoke dealt with money and finances. If you listen real careful, you'll hear the sound of heat. That costs money. Does it cost money at your house? It costs money in God's house. And would you believe they expect us to pay for it? I can't imagine why they would want us to pay them that eight or nine thousand dollar utility bill each month. I cannot imagine. I think I'll go down there and tell them I'm saved. And it ought to be free since we're saved. If I can get that over, I will never talk about money again. 
but it's not about paying bills. Stewardship is about managing what God has entrusted us with for his honor and for his glory. It's not about junk. It's not about things. But let me show you. I learned something years ago at evangelism, and they used to get very angry with me for the first two or three nights in a revival meeting, I always spoke on money. And uh, you might ask, why in the world would you do that? Please look at verse number 24 of the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Please may I have your attention. Until I get right in mammon, I cannot be right with God. I cannot, according to the Holy Spirit of God who authored this book, I cannot serve two masters. I will love one and hate the other. I will cling to one and flee the other. Now, is that what your Bible said? You cannot serve God and mammon. My desire today is to show you how to experience God's better thing. How many of you think you might live below the blessings of God? If God created wealth for us, why has the devil's crowd got it? If God wants to bless us, why does it look like the other crowd is the one being blessed? I just think maybe it would might behoove us to listen to what God says if you want to experience God's better thing. Now watch this as we read together. If you look at chapter 5 and verse 1, you'll see to whom our Lord is speaking. Chapter 5, verse 1. The portion of Scripture that we're reading called the Sermon on the Mount. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into the mountain. And when we were set, he, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And for the next three chapters, our Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples and teaching them 
spiritual kingdom precepts. He's given them a crash course on discipleship. Notice, if you would please, in chapter 6 and verse 1, he talks to them about giving alms. Alms is money or things that is given and dedicated to the poor. And he taught his disciples it was right to give unto the poor. But you give it in a certain way that you do not put up a sign and say, look what I'm giving. In other words, if you're going to give something, give it in secret that the God in secret may reward you openly. Then he talks about prayer in verse 5. He teaches his disciples how to pray, how to do it. Then he talks about fasting in verse number 16. And then he takes up another subject in verse number 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures. He starts talking about treasures. Treasures, that which they value to the nth degree. It does not necessarily have to be money. It does not necessarily have to be anything in particular. It's what we place a great value upon. You understand what I'm talking about? It's, it, it could be treasures. It could be gold. It could be money. It could be cattle. It could be anything. It could be your mother's scarf that she wore. But treasures, and he's talking to us about treasures. Now watch this as he goes on. He said, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth. Then he says, why? Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. I just wonder, on your person, in your purse, anywhere around, do you have any of these? I hate them. People ask me, preacher, can I get in a certain door in the church? I said, you can if you have a key. Well, preacher, don't you have a key? No, I don't have a key. Why? Because I don't in that door. I don't like carrying the dumb things. They hurt your legs. You drop them. You leave them. You can't get in. Has anybody got any of these? Why? You don't want somebody to get what you got. Thieves. Protect us from thieves. How do you protect it from rot and rust and wrinkle? If you can see it, it will rot, rust, or wrinkle. Our treasures got them locked up. Well, don't look like it's pertinent to this crowd. Verse 20, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth dust nor rust doth corrupt or where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Have you noticed people who invest in the stock market on a regular basis 
you go to their house and they're not watching Randolph Scott, they're watching the ticker tape cross the front of the television. <laughs> Hello, is anybody here? Hmm? Well, where your treasure is, automobile restoration, hearts in a garage. The light of the body is the eye, therefore, <clears throat> Therefore, thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness. No man can serve two masters, whether he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you... <clears throat> Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than baloney and the body than overalls? Too bad we spend a lot of time worrying about baloney and overalls. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic to its stature? And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is tomorrow's cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. He's speaking to his disciples, but I think maybe we can apply that to us today. Amen. Do we have any worry warts in the house? I know folk worry because they have nothing to worry about. Huh? Well, you just got to be a better Christian if you can help God worry about it. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these things, all these things shall be what? Added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For well, tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I said many years ago that many folk give themselves heart attacks worrying about tomorrow's problems with today's grace. Why well, worry about it? It's not here yet. Could I speak with you for just a little while this morning on God experiencing God's better things? Now it's a quarter till twelve. Straight across. This is the only 14-minute sermon I have. You hear much today about the economy, do you not? It will probably be one of the planks, boards, or whatever you call it, in the platform of both, uh, uh, both uh, political parties this next year. They're running on improving the economy. 
You hear much about recession, interest rates, stock market, oil prices, and so forth and so on. But you never hear anything about the standard of living. We have it so bad today. We're paying a dollar and something cents for gasoline. We're living in air-conditioned houses, driving in air-conditioned cars. And I heard the other day somebody suffering for Jesus had roll-up windows in their automobile. Standard of living. Do you remember 10 cents a gallon for gas? A Pepsi for a nickel and a bologna sandwich to boot for 10 cents you had lunch. Bologna sandwich and a Pepsi. $3 a day was the salary. That was from candle kink. That wasn't without breaks. Daddy didn't give breaks. The only break he gave is when you turned the corner and come back down the other road. Standard of living. Wouldn't it be nice if God could support our standard of living? It's not a question of whether we should live according to God's dictates. What we believe that God should come up to our standard of living. And as we read in the Bible, we have no doubt that this is a book about giving. I have no idea why folk get so upset when we talk about giving, when this is a book from cover to cover about giving. How can you read the Bible and not realize that John 3.16, that God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, doing our own dastardly, dirty deeds, God commended his love toward us, and that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. You cannot divorce giving in this book. If you do, you have no book left. The Bible says in Acts, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so please do not um, be offended that I should talk about giving. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. This is a book about giving. I love to talk about giving. I, I love to experience giving. I look forward each year to our first Sunday in February because I believe that is an opportunity that we can prove to God that we love Him more than we love our treasure. Because you prove the sincerity of your love by your giving. The Bible abounds with illustrations and stories about giving. I have some problem when I get to Genesis chapter 22. I think I would have failed that test as sure as the world. When God told Abraham to take your son, your only son, now notice, the one that thou lovest, take him to yonder Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice unto God. Now, I'd have some problems with that if God looked down and asked me to do that with some of my sons. A couple of them I wouldn't mind at all. 
just kidding. They're probably watching. But Abraham obeyed God and took his son and laid him on the altar and had every intention of plunging that knife deep into his heart, offering him as a sacrifice unto God. You go through the word of God, you find Abraham there after he'd gone and got Lot, giving God a tithe of all. Jacob, the Bible said, Jacob said, God, if you be my God, and, and you will supply bread, and you, you take care of me, if you do that, God, you can be my God, and I will give you a tenth of everything. We find the worshiper yonder in Leviticus chapter 27, when he come to God, and he said, all the tithe of the lands is holy unto God. Verse 30. I go tiptoeing, tiptoeing into the New Testament, and I find there a poor widow lady down at the, at the temple. And Jesus, as he watched those who put the money in the treasure, he told the disciples, take note of that lady. Watch that lady. She put in not of her abundance, but she put in of her living two pence. This is a book about giving. Don't get up tight. When I preach the book, because it's a book about giving. Amen. Now, I want to show you something in 10 minutes. Uh, Nancy, you just put that on the clock right there. You got that? All right. Don't you dare hit Brother Collins in the ribs now. He's getting sore. Let me show you. Show you something, if I would, please. Four eye-opening truths set forth in the text. Four eye-opening truths in this text. You get it, and I'll guarantee you will experience God's better things. Four eye-opening truths. Watch this, number one. Watch this. Life's biggest danger. Verse 19 through 24, watch this. Life's biggest danger. Watch this. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will love the one love the, and, lo and hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Life's biggest danger, what's this? Hoarding. Hoarding. Accumulating. Junk. That grabs your attention. Holds your devotion. Junk. Laying up treasure. Things that you think that is important and valuable 
that your family is going to fight over. Disagree. Junk. Absolute junk. My sisters fell out over junk. Tractors that won't run. My daddy gave me a tractor that wouldn't run when he died. Daddy, I don't need a tractor that won't run. My son can have my tractor. I had three. I don't need another one. So I gave it to somebody else, and somebody else got mad because I gave it to somebody else. They wrote me a check and gave it to me and said, that's what your daddy and mama had left. I signed the check and gave it to my sister. My other sister got mad because I didn't give her half of it. Junk. Hoarding. Treasures. Do we have anybody here that has stuff that you don't even know where your stuff is. But buddy, you better not mess with my stuff. It's rusty. It don't work. And it's ugly, but it's my stuff. Life's biggest danger is allowing stuff To steal that which only belongs to God. Oh, listen to me now. You say, preacher, are you going to get worried and worked up? Probably so. But notice, if you would please, hoarding is very perilous, verse 19 to 21. It's perilous. It's dangerous. Notice. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's an amazing thing to me how many folk used to love God? Used to love God. What happened? They traded Jesus for junk. And now they're busy building themselves and hoarding things up like old newspapers and old things that don't matter at all. I read the other day, and I know you probably are very familiar with it, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. 
But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through many sorrows, but thou, man of God, flee these things. Hoarding is a dangerous thing. Perilous, because it won't be long until our love and our devotion is switched from God to the treasures that we hold so dear. Secondly, hoarding is dangerous because it dims spiritual light, verse 22 and 23. It's very plain. It says, if thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. Why do you think that Kmart, Walmart, and all the other marts have blue light specials? And why don't they put them in the front of the store when you walk in, not to the back of the store when you walk out? Because the light of the body is what? That's what the devil is trying to get your attention. And if he can get your eye on all of this junk, Guess what? Your eyes off of Jesus. And if thy eye be single, the whole body is full of light. If we walk in the light, he's the light, then the blood of God's Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we walk in the light and walk in darkness, we are liars. But if our eye be double, the whole body is full of darkness. Why is this life's biggest danger? Have you already fell victim? Sunday night, Wednesday night, where are you? You used to be here. You used to be here with a smile on your face. Preach it, preacher. Has a little bit of darkness creeped in? Hoarding is a dangerous thing. You say, preacher, what time is it? Twelve o'clock. Verse 24, I'll close. You say you're not. You watch me. Hoarding is dangerous. Notice now. Because it enslaves and masters the person. Verse 24, look at this. The Bible says, No man can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hoarding, saving, rat-holing, whatever you want to call it, has a tendency to rob Jesus Christ of all the glory, all the love, and all the service that belongs only to Him. 
It will master and enslave you till eventually all you can see is stuff and not Jesus. You say, I don't believe that. In closing, Luke 12. In closing, book of Luke chapter 12. Please don't get mad at me because I want to enjoy the ball game after a while too. And Jesus is speaking again as we close. We'll finish this later. But I read for you Luke 12, verse 15. Watch this. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take eat, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all those things be which thou hast provided? So is he. Can I say that again? So is he. So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So is he. Life's biggest danger is the junk that God has allowed us to accumulate. Now, we, I did not say you, we are nothing but little junkies. Worried more about our junk than the one who provided all of this for us. I at least need one amen. Because I see a lot of faces that's not going to say amen after I get through this morning. God's better thing. It's better to lay up treasures in heaven. That way, when you die, you won't run off and leave them. You die to get them. Number two, it's better to serve God than mammon. Because I'll guarantee when you get to the end of mammon and material things, it's all you got. Lastly, it's better to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Why? Then all of these things shall be added unto you. Experiencing God's better.